This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. came in after our welcome welcome we thank God that ours is the privilege and opportunity to worship worship a God who has been faithful it's a privilege for us to be experiencing this the final Sabbath in the first month of 2024, time really moves. To say that some of us live very busy lives would be a gross understatement. It often seems for some of us that we're always traversing from one task to the next. We're always shifting from one schedule to the next. Always moving from one meeting to the next. We always have things to get done. Deadlines to meet. People to meet with. Creditors and bills to satisfy. Children to shuttle to and fro, school, after-school activities, assignments, doctor's appointments, grocery shopping, meal preparations, the honey-do list, and it goes on and on and on. There seems to be, for some of us, never enough hours in a day or enough days in a week, or even enough weeks in a month to get it all done. And sleep, for some, is just a mere interlude, yea, a brief intermission between the never-ending activities of life, the frantic, kinetic pace of life, can leave you dazed, frazzled, and burnt out. One man said, I will rest when I am dead. You know, we can become so busy making a living that we miss out on life. As the prophet Ferris Bueller said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. You could miss out on what really matters. Miss out on moments. Moments with our spouses. Moments with our children. Moments with our family. Moments with good friends. You could miss out on moments with God. 
as we continue in worship with the study of the Word, we'll do so with the caption, Seeking Unhurried Moments with God. Seeking Unhurried Moments with God. Let me direct our attention to our focus passage, Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, 35 through to 39. Mark's Gospel, chapter 1, 35 through to 39. The new King James Version's rendition of Scripture reads, Now, in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. Verse 39, And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and casting out demons. This is the Word of God, and I believe it. Let's pray together. We thank you, Lord, for your presence in the service thus far. As we continue now with the study of your Word, we pray. You remove every distraction. You will command and arrest our attention. You will speak to every heart and every mind. Lord, speak through me and to me. In spite of me, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, neighbor, one of the characteristics of Mark's gospel is the exclusion of the the nativity, the nativity of Jesus. In Mark's gospel, there are no shepherds. No angelic hosts uh, announcing the birth. In Mark's gospel, there is no Bethlehem, no babe in a manger, no gift-bearing wise men. When you look at Mark's gospel neighbor, Jesus hits the road running. He introduces us to Jesus at his baptism, and then he ferries us along into the temptation in the wilderness, and the launch of the Galilean ministry of our Lord. And neighbor, one word that is used profusely by Mark in his gospel is the Greek word which translates immediately. Immediately. As you read Mark's gospel, you'll notice that it is littered throughout his writings. Now, this word immediately appears some 59 times. How many times? How many times? Some 59 times in the New Testament. And of those 59 times, it's used by Mark 42 times. Immediately. Immediately. Now, here are a few samplings. In Mark chapter 1 verse 10, he writes, And immediately... Coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. Mark 1 verse 12, immediately the Spirit drove him into the wilderness. 
Mark 1 verse 18, they immediately left their nets and followed him. Mark 1 verse 20, and immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. I'm sure, I'm sure by now you get it immediately. In this chapter, watch this, in this chapter alone, by my count, Mark employs the word immediately 11 times. 11 times. One writer observes that though the word immediately doesn't always mean just then, it serves to carry the reader along in the narrative forward at a break next speed as one event tumbles after another one writer says the gospel of mark is the gospel on steroids jesus is healing immediately jesus is casting out demons immediately jesus is teaching and preaching immediately he's moving from place to place from event to event from situation to situation from people to people Immediately in the gospel of Mark, Jesus is a man on the move. He's on the move. Place to place. Situation to situation. Event to event. He's busy about his father's business. And so with that in mind, let us now revisit our focus passages. Mark writes, Mark 1, 35 to 39, now in the morning, verse 35, now in the morning, when, when, verse 35, guys, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. What type of place? Solitary place. And there he prayed. He did what? He prayed, verse 36, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him. When they found him, they said to him, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. Verse 39, and he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. Observe with me, neighbor, in this verse, verse 35, a change of pace. You see, in the preceding uh, verses, we find Jesus moving from event to event, from people to people, from place to place, from miracle to miracle, from healing to healing. Jesus is preaching and teaching and healing and casting out demons. But now in verse 35, there's a change of pace. Our Lord, who is busy about his father's business, now in verse 35, neighbor, he pulls away, yea, he retreats, and he retreats to pray. Jesus, in verse 35, he slows the pace down. And as we hone in on this verse, I'm hoping that there's some lessons that we can learn that will inform and inspire our walk. Some three times, how many times? 
some three times in his gospel, Mark selectively, watch this, selectively portrays Jesus in prayer. Here in this verse, we find Jesus in verse 35 at the beginning of his ministry praying. And then in chapter 6, verse 46, at the midpoint of his ministry, we find Jesus praying. And then in chapter 14, 32 to 42, we find Jesus near the end of his ministry, there in the Garden of Gethsemane, praying. And in all three occasions, we find Jesus seeking solitude with his Father. He prayed and he prayed alone. And it is interesting, neighbor, that though Jesus was God and was prayed to as man, we find Jesus praying. Though he was glorifying God and doing his Father's work in his public work, though he was busy carrying the gospel, yet we find our Lord finding time to be alone with his Father. Now, as we look closely at the verse, there are two elements I want for us to observe. Mark says in the verse, verse 35, the beginning of the verse, Mark says, now in the morning. When? When in the morning, now in the morning, having risen a long while before day. Don't miss it, neighbor. The element of time. The element of what? The element of what? Time. Not just any time, but a specific time. Mark says, now in the morning, Jesus gets up early. In the morning, he separates himself from the crowd. He separates himself from the disciples. He separates himself from everybody else. He does this in when? The morning. Now, there's some of you who may argue that I am not a morning person. And some may argue the merits of seeking God early in the morning or at the start of the day. I would say this though, that it wasn't until I became an adult that I came to understand that there, not everybody is a morning person. I grew up believing that everybody was a morning person because the culture in which I grew up to be in bed while the sun was up was a national disgrace. <laughs> that one ought to get up before the sun. Where I grew up and the way I was raised, we, we had an alarm clock that would go off out somewhere there in the distance. It was a crowing rooster that is if somebody didn't have him for dinner the day before. And you would get up when you heard that crowing. But to be found in bed while, before the, while the sun was up was a Kirk, a national disgrace. And so I just assumed that everybody was a morning person until I went to school and discovered that not everybody is a morning person. But the principle here is this, that there was that our Lord set aside a specific time to see God. And that is the principle. That this wasn't some uh, random, let's see what happens. No, Jesus chose a specific time. 
to seek God. I've come to appreciate that in the rough and tumble and the pull and drag of life and the many activities that one has to get done, if you do not set aside the time, then it can get lost in the shuffle. If you just leave it up to, let's see how the Spirit moves. Let's see if I'll find some time for God today. No, no, no. I've come to appreciate as a child of God. I've come to appreciate as a leader. I've come to appreciate as an adult that if you do not set aside a specific time, then it can get lost in the shuffle of the many activities of the day. The other element that is highlighted in this verse, not only does Mark tell us that Jesus went about early in the morning before day, a specific time, but he also shares with us the element of place. The element of what? The element of place. He continues in the verse, verse 35, he says that Jesus went out and departed to a what? To a what? To a solitary place. There he prayed. Jesus sought solitude with his father. Jesus went off the earthly grid for a while to seek solitude with his father. Jesus, who was sinless, Jesus, who was perfect, Jesus, who understood his mission, Jesus found the time and the place to connect with his Father. And how is it that I can think as a mere mortal, as an imperfect human being, as a sinful person, how do I expect that I can do life and live life successfully if I do not seek a time and a place to connect with God? Some of us, solitude scares us. <laughs> For some of us, we've got to be on all the time. <laughs> For some of us, there's always got to be something playing in the background, some noise, something. If it's too quiet, it is a, it is, it is a, it is a prelude to something disastrous. We start to wonder what is going to happen now. It's too quiet. Solitude scares us. But we find... Him, Jesus, going off the earthly grid, seeking his Father. One of the most beautiful quotations that I've found on this, the importance of seeking solitude, the importance of quieting the noise or getting away from the noise of our lives, is found in the book, The Desire of Ages. It's page 363. Desire of Ages, page 363, the prolific Christian writer, Ellen G. White, wrote, she wrote this, and some of you may be familiar with this quote. She said, 
When every other voice is hushed and in quietness we wait before him, the silence of the soul makes more distinct the voice of God. Could it be that one of the reasons we have not heard from God lately is because we have not sought to spend a solitary moment with him. Could it be that one of the reasons we are still befuddled by certain uh, challenges in life, the, one of the reasons why uh, one of some of the, the, the solutions of life continue to escape us is because we've not found a time to spend alone with God. Permit me to say that it is in those moments, those one-on-one moments, that God becomes more real to us. We certainly can experience God in congregational worship. We certainly can experience the movement of God in our family worship. But there's something special about having that one-on-one with God. You see, in the congregational worship, I put myself together and I put my best foot forward and I come into the congregation of the saints to praise Him and to worship Him and to, to lift Him up. And I spend a brief moment compared to eternity worshiping with the saints. And during that time, unless someone asks or inquires, you will not know my pain and my struggle because it's masked beneath me praising and worshiping with the other saints. Unless you inquire, unless you ask, you may not know what I went through, what I'm going through right now. Sometimes even in smaller groups and and family worship, you may not divulge certain things to other members of the family. There's certain things you won't share with your children lest they be discouraged. But I thank God that there is that forum, there is that place where I can meet with God one-on-one. And I can bear my soul to Him. No need to dress it up. No need to pretend. The mask disappears because I'm interfacing with the one who knows my heart. And it's in those moments that God becomes more real. Can I just say, Sister Burns, that our congregational worship and our family worship, they become richer when our personal devotion with God is rich and meaningful. Can I just say, Carlos, that one of the reasons some folks find the congregational worship boring and a drag is because They have not had any time with Jesus. 
You see, there's some folks, some worshipers who come to church hoping to get something from the worship. But then there's some worshipers who come to church bringing something to the worship. You don't get me. There's some folks, the week that I've had and what God has done through them and for them gets them so excited that they can't wait to come into the congregation of the saints to praise God. There's some folks, when they walk through the doors of the, of the church and they enter into the worship space, they come saying, hey, hey, I don't look like what God brought me through this week. The quality of our devotional time does have an inverse impact on the quality of our together time, our corporate time, our congregational time. Let me read that quote again because somebody needs to hear this. Somebody needs to understand that perhaps it's because of all the noise around you and all the distraction around you while you can't hear God. She says, when every other voice is hushed and in quietness we wait before him, the silence of the soul makes more distinct the voice of God. But Mark continues, because in verses 36 and 37, he says, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him. They were looking for Jesus. And when they found him, they said to him, Lord, everyone is looking for you. Everyone is looking for you. Where have you been? Jesus, there are yet many others for you to minister to. Where have you been? And, and the word, the word, the word that they use, that, that Mark, Mark, Mark employs here in, in the text, Andrew, is the word that means not just a, a casual attempt to find Jesus, but it's a word that suggests an all-out search, a pursuit of him. Where could he be? This was a, shirt, a search that was so intense. The only thing left for them to do is put a picture of Jesus on the carton, the milk carton. Say he was missing. This was no mere casual attempt. You see, his disciples were eager to capture and build upon the momentum or the perceived momentum that, 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 that they saw building up with his ministry. With all the healing and all the miracles and all the casting out of demons, the popularity of Jesus was growing. And his disciples thought, hey, hey, Jesus, let's not miss out on this opportunity. Let's tap this opportunity. See, their motives were not in keeping with Jesus' purpose. The folks were coming to see him. Why? Because of the miracles. The miracles. And I've got to ask us today... Why do you seek God? Do you only seek Him when you're looking for 
a miracle? Or do you only seek to connect with headquarters when there is some crisis, some emergency in your life? Are you that college student who only calls home when money is short? <laughs> you know, that student that, you know, at Michael, every time you see the phone, oh, Junior's calling, he's out of cash, he's calling to say, hey, Dad. I'm broke. Do you only connect with heaven when you're in search of a miracle? And what's amazing is that sometimes God, in his mercy, he allows the burden to get so heavy on our shoulders that it brings us to our knees. Sometimes God allows a situation to fall us flat on our back so that we can look up to him. Jesus said, the disciples said, Lord, let's, let's, let's capture this. Your popularity is building. Why did you move away? There are more people to heal. The people are coming. The people are coming. And the response of Jesus is not only curious, it's telling. Because Jesus responds this way. Verses 38 and verse 30, 39. Verses 38 and 39. This is how Jesus responds. Jesus said to them, Let us go into the next towns. That I may what? That I may what? Stay with me, church. That I may what? That I may preach there also. Because, don't miss this. For this purpose... I have come forth. Yes, I will heal. Yes, I'll cast out demons. Yes, I'll perform miracles. But don't get it twisted. My major objective is to preach and teach the word of God. See, the crowds wanted to see Jesus again, not to hear his word. But they wanted to experience his healing and see him perform miracles. And Peter was surprised that Jesus did not hasten to meet the crowds, but instead left for other towns where he might preach the gospel. Peter did not appreciate the shallowness of the crowd. He did not understand their unbelief and their lack of appetite for the word. But Jesus, because he had those solitary moments with his father, would not have succumbed to the seductive appeal of the instant success and the unbounding popularity. In other words, Jesus was not going to allow the response of the crowd to dictate his mission. Jesus would not permit his popular acclaim to change his priorities. Here it is. Don't miss it. Sometimes you can get into this crazy Tale, crazy loop of just reacting 
of just responding. You can get into this crazy loop where your life is being driven by the narrative instead of you driving the narrative. Do you get it? You can get into this, 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 this loop where every day you get up, you're just responding, you're just reacting to stuff and to people. And I've come to realize that if you live your life that way, you're going to end up burnt out. Because everybody has their own prescription as to what you should be doing and when you should be doing it. Hello? Everybody, it's not just your wife, it's not just your husband that has the honeydew list. Everybody has a honeydew list for you to do. And you can, you can spend your life just responding to stuff, reacting to stuff. But I've found that when you seek God early and you get your agenda from Him, you don't have to be reacting or responding. You know exactly what God has for you to do. And you know that there are some things that are not important. You know that there are some things you'll not respond to because that is not in keeping with God's mission for your life. You see, when God takes control of your narrative, your life drives the narrative and not the other way around. So many folks are stressed out burnt out because they've been caught up in this loop of responding to email and reacting to people and there are always fires to put out. There's always somebody who's complaining and, and everybody they have to attend to and, and they find themselves being driven by others and their opinion. But I've found that when you go to God and you seek solace with him, God gives you, God gives you the agenda and you move on his agenda. So pastor, how do I do it? Time and place. First thing is time. You and I have to identify and guard jealously that time with God. Whatever time it is, perhaps you're a morning person, uh, perhaps you're, I don't know what, but whatever person you think you are, but you've got to find a time that you block, that you guard jealously. That this is my alone time with God. And you've got to find that solitary place. And I know it's hard, especially in urban settings. Some of us, we live in one-room efficiencies where the, the, uh, the walls are as thin as, as uh, paper. And the only solitary place we can find is in the bathroom for some of us. I remember some time ago when that movie came out, uh, The War Room, everybody and their mama was having a war room in their closet, <laughs> their prayer closet. But... Whatever the time, whatever the place, there's got to be a consistency to it. There's got to be that place and the time when you are silent and you listen, you're listening 
for God to speak. And I'm here as a living witness, and there are those in the congregation who can testify that it is in those moments that God becomes more real. It is in those moments that we find the answers, some of the answers to life, to life's questions that, that, that have been befuddling us for some time now. It's in those moments where we are renewed, where we are strengthened. Let me close with this. Don't miss it. One of the wilds, one of the wilds, one of the tricks of the adversary of our souls is to so inveigle us to become so busy with our varied pursuits that we have little or no time to spend alone with God. The devil will get you so busy doing good things, by the way, good things, that you have no time to spend one-on-one with God. And then you begin to believe that these good things that you're doing, that they are substitutes for a one-on-one time with God. Listen, neighbor, a worship service, a Sabbath service, and I thank God for our worship leaders and those who seek to create an atmosphere where we connect with God in worship, but congregational worship is no substitute for a one-on-one with God. Amen? Family worship and, 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 and life group worship, these are no substitutes for a one-on-one with God. As the songwriter said, God is saying to some of us, I, I miss my time with you. I miss my time with you. Today, God is asking someone, will you come to the garden alone? Will you come to spend that moment with me? The praise team will lead us in, in song, and then I'll return with an appeal and we introduced you to these cards a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. And one of the things that we'll be driving this year is that every one of us will seek to have that time alone with God. Alone with God. Whatever it takes. It may be in your car, in the parking lot. It may be removing yourself and going to the park. But you've got to find that time and place to be alone with God. The praise team will lead us in this final song. And then I'll come, I'll return, we'll pray, and we'll go home. Let's all stand as we sing, I come to the garden alone.
I'll try. Hopefully, I'll try to remember the lyrics and call it out, okay? I come. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I I developed years ago actually in high school I I started journaling started journaling and I found it to be such a powerful tool in those moments when you sit with God just to just to write just to and I know there are those of, of you who know this there's, there's a something about being in the presence of God that is so refreshing and so liberating while others may judge you or put you down you can go to him and just pour out your heart Knowing full well you're not informing him of anything because he knows everything. But knowing full well that it's in those moments that you'll experience growth. It's in those moments that you will be refreshed and revived. And so perhaps you may be saying, well, Pastor, sometimes my mind wanders and I... And the older I get, I've come to appreciate the benefit of writing things down. Writing things down. That's right. Writing how I feel in the moment. Writing how I feel about things. Just writing. And in my family, no one sees those. And, but I think I have it in my will somewhere that they can release them after my death. 
write it. Another thing that I found useful, another way that I found useful, and I know for some, you know, it's challenging and with the price of gas and all of that, but sometimes just to get in the car and go driving with God. Just go in the car and, and while I'm driving, I, God, I must warn you though that a few times I have missed my exit doing that. <laughs> but what I'm saying, whatever it takes, you know your circumstance, you know your situation, whatever it takes, I want to encourage you to find the time to spend alone with God. Your life will be made better for it. You'll find yourself getting, making better decisions. You'll find that you will discover clarity to issues. Just comes clear as day that that's not the direction to go. It comes clear as day that's not the purchase to make. It comes clear as day this is the approach to take. Certainly as a speaker, I've, I've benefited from that. I'm one of those guys, even in 2024, I still have a notepad on the side of my bed. And, because there's sometimes when God just speaks and I, and, I, and I don't want to lose it and I've got to write it down, Kirk. I've got to write it down. I've got to write it down and look back at it. And listen, friends, there have been times on my journey and my walk when it becomes rough and it's hard. And I go back to some of my journals and I whip it out and I look at it and I see what God has done in my life and what has brought me through and it encourages me that if God did that for me yesterday, He can do that for me again. Well, the purpose of those moments is to discover His will for my life. Do you want to how many of you want to reaffirm that today? That Lord, I am going to spend quality time with you. I'll find a specific time and a specific place and I'll guard it with godly jealousy. I'll guard it with godly jealousy. Now, not to share with you a shopping list, but just to be in your presence. In prayer, Father, we thank you so much. That we mere mortals, sinful human beings, can have a private audience with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That we mere mortals can enter into a private conversation with the sovereign ruler of the universe. Oh Lord, we've reaffirmed. We're making the commitment one more time that we will set that time and that place and we'll guard it with jealousy. Just that one and one with you.
we pray for that man and that woman, that boy, that girl, that person who has not yet known the joy of a surrendered life, that even now, Holy Spirit, you continue to do your work. We leave here knowing, not just believing, we leave here knowing that you love us with an everlasting love. We leave here knowing that your plans for us are plans for us to be with you in eternity. We leave here knowing that Jesus lived and died, rose again, and is coming back soon. We praise you. We lift you up. Amen and amen. God bless you as you go. You'll be ushered out as the praise team will sing us out. And of course, you are welcome to join them in the afterglow, if you so please. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation's Seventh-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.